who is buying the negative yielding bonds that are swelling a number outside the United States? And more importantly, what is their strategy to get positive returns from those negative yields? And by the way, what's up with negative yields? I don't even understand this. Do you, Jim? Uh, a little bit, but probably not enough. You heard him. That was our guest co-host, Jim Wang from Wallet Hacks, joining us fresh off his big Plutus Awards win. We're going to talk about that and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. And welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I'm certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And I'm Jim Wang from Wallet Hacks, coming from my grown-up home office in Maryland. You're such a grown-up, Jim. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Jim Wang. We break them down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And now we do it for you, six days a week, all in about 15 minutes. This episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Tiller for a free trial and to support the show. Jim, we're going to talk about negative yields in just a moment. But first, I have to congratulate you. My voice is very hoarse. You sound terrific. We're both coming back from FinCon, where you won, you're not one, but your second Plutus Award for Best Investing Blog. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, my voice sounds a little <laughs> hoarse to me. And my throat kind of hurts a little bit, like like I got a cold. But Hey, you just, you just got to push on. You are such a pro. All right, let's toss it to one of our money friends to get us started. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money, let's do this. Hey, Bobby, what's the big idea? All right, Jim, you got the lead on the story. Let's go for it. All right, so this one comes from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the title is In Bond Anomaly, Negative Yields Bring Positive Returns uh, by Daniel Kruger, Kruger and Sam Goldfarb. Who is buying the negative yielding bonds that are swelling in number outside of the U.S.? The surprising answer in some cases is U.S. investors. They're enter, entering into complex strategies that generate a positive return even from negative yielding debt. That is made possible by the unusually wide difference between positive U.S. interest rates and their negative European counterparts. There are risks, but the strategies highlight the lengths to which investors have been going to boost returns in the midst of a worldwide bond rally driven by fears of an economic slowdown. The rising bond prices have benefited investors in the short term. The rally has dragged down yields on government and corporate bonds to record lows, leaving investors scrambling for ways to generate future income. The article goes on to say there is more than 16 trillion of bonds with negative yields worldwide, most of them sold in Europe and originally offering positive yields, according to Deutsche Bank Securities. Most buyers of this debt are European pension funds and insurers, which need safe long-term securities to offset future liabilities, as well as bond funds and the European Central Bank. So I just want to pause here and take a step back and go over what exactly are why do we have negative yields and what do they mean? And a little bit about how we can understand them. We put this out ahead of time to our Instagram audience and asked them um, about this topic and to ask them, you know, truth. We said, do you actually understand this whole negative yield thing? And we got back very clearly, um, 60% did not. The question, uh, I phrased it, uh, nerding out, meaning you do get it. And that was 40%. And then 60% said, my head hurts. And we did get some comments. I asked them what comes to mind when you ask for negative yield. And Vincent 
said, am I getting paid to borrow money or is this just negative relative to inflation? And then Tammy said, for example, maybe we'll finally go to that into that recession that's been predicted dot, 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 for the past four years. So people are getting that maybe is an indication of a recession. Maybe you're getting paid to borrow money instead of having to pay to borrow money. Um, I pulled up this explanation. I love the website um, Investopedia, if anyone's ever confused about terms. So I wanted to pull this up so you can understand it a little bit better. And it says, this is by James Chen, a negative bond yield is an unusual situation in which issuers of debt are paid to borrow. So Vincent's right on target there. At the same time, depositors or buyers of bond pay a cash flow instead of receiving interest income. And then it says breaking down negative bond yields. Bonds trading in the open market can effectively carry a negative bond yields if the price of the bond trades at a sufficient premium. Remembering that the prices of bonds change inversely with the bond's yield. The higher the price of a bond, the lower the yield. At some point, the price of a bond can increase sufficiently to imply a negative yield for the purchaser. And so it also goes on to explain who would buy a negative yielding bond, because that's something I have asked sources when I've done interviews recently. And a lot of people, a lot of in entities have to buy them. For example, some governments, central banks, insurance companies, pension funds, they just have in their mandate that they have to buy bonds. And so that is why this market can actually exist. So it's, it's actually a pretty interesting thing. Um, we also taped this in front of a live Facebook audience, so we're going to take those comments in a moment. But Jim, go ahead. The thing that surprised me was initially when I read about this, it, the yields were negative immediately when you bought it right from the, from the government. And so I found that very surprising because why would you buy a bond in which you were, pay, uh, you were paying instead of being paid interest? But then, like you said, bond prices shift. They go up, they go down based on interest rates and, and all that stuff. And so it made more sense. It doesn't actually matter that the yield, the actual yield on the bond is negative versus if you were to buy it at a premium and you're effectively getting a negative yield because you're overpaying, right? So if it's a $100 bond and you're paying 105, it doesn't matter what the yield is because it's now different because the price has changed on you, right? It doesn't matter what's right. written on the bond per right. se. If so that, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that then it just makes a lot more sense why people would do this. It doesn't matter if it's day one or day 100. Right. It's but psychologically, I thought, why would I pay to lend someone money? Right. Because what they're basically saying is that you can trade them. And when you trade to some degree, well, really, what matters in terms of the actual trade is what is the price when you buy it? What is the price when you sell it? And if you make a profit between the value when you buy it and the value when you sell it, that's where you can make money. However, if you're just holding a bond to make the interest when it comes due, that's a different thing, of course. And this also points out, obviously, that there are some people that have to buy bonds. And for example, we have here in our um, Facebook Live group, we have Kevin commenting, do the pension funds have rules in place that prohibit them from buying U.S. debt? Um, that is something I don't know. We'll have to get back to you on that. I think that's a good question because a lot of this negative yield is happening in Europe. Um, so it is something that we'll see. I don't know if it will come to the U.S. at all. And we don't know, of course, what the restrictions are relative to the mandate of different entities that can buy these instruments. Um, Jim, why don't you pick it up actually um, for opportunistic U.S. investors right there? Sure. So for opportunistic, this is uh, continuing the article, for opportunistic U.S. investor, currency hedges are a key driver of their buying. And so this this goes to the point of, Bobby, when you were saying that uh, some some companies, some investors have a good reason or may be forced to in some way to be buying these. When professional investors buy assets in a currency other than their own, 
They often use derivatives to protect against swings in foreign exchange rates. In this case, however, investors are using the hedges to squeeze gains from what look like losing bets. It works this way. Investors use euros to buy 10-year government German 10-year government bonds. If they hold this debt for, say, three months, they may lose money on that investment, strictly speaking. The debt has a yield of around minus uh, 0.64%. But investors can more than make up for that loss by entering into agreement with a bank to convert their euros back into dollars in three months. The forward exchange rate is largely determined by the gap between U.S. and European short-term rates. Towards the end of last week, investors could convert $100 into 90.64 euros based on a spot exchange rate of $1.1032 per euro. They could use those 90.64 euros to buy the 10-year bonds with an annual yield of the minus 0.64%. Three months from now, assuming the bonds price remains the same, they would be left with 90.5 euros. Those could be converted back into dollars at a prearranged forward rate of 1.111 per euro. In the end, investors would be left with $100.55 or an annualized gain of 2.2%. That is more than around the 1.6% yield on the U.S. 10-year note. It's a little par paradoxical, but it works, says Gershon Distenfeld, co-head of fixed income at Alliance Bernstein, who has employed the strategy. And let me just pick up a little bit here. Many U.S. investors, though, aren't interested. By the way, that's just incredibly complicated. So if anyone yep. was listening, we're right there with you. It's a little bit over my head, too. Some fund managers lack approval to buy European debt or to hedge currency. So this kind of goes to answer Kevin's question. Others resist this kind of maneuver owing to its complexity or because it's, it is driven by the hedge, not the underlying value of the bond. That's what you were talking about, Jim, the actual trading, the hedge, not the value of the bond. Investors who do pursue the strategy are essentially betting that prices of European government bonds will climb, thus pushing the yield even lower, stay steady, or at least not drop more than U.S. bonds. Investors, moreover, could be better off simply buying treasuries if the U.S. bonds rally more than their European counterparts. Um, and then the article goes on. But I think we've got the main points there, Jim. Your thoughts? It's, so it sounds really complicated, but essentially what you've done is you've arranged for like a foreign exchange at a rate, and now you just want to keep the money relatively safe while it's in the foreign ex while it's in the other currency. So you get the the German bonds because you want it in in euros, and it holds there for the three months or however you've arranged the forward rate. So it sounds complicated because there were a lot of numbers in there because it was an example, but it's essentially you're buying government bonds because it's safe, right. and even though you're paying for that privilege, it's safe and you know it's positive because you have this arranged forward rate for the exchange. Very well said. All right, before we get to our takeaways, we do want to talk about our sponsor, because we do love that Tiller supports money with friends. Tiller allows you to manage your money 10 times faster in a spreadsheet with Tiller, the only service that connects your banks to Google Sheets and Excel with your daily spending, transactions, and balances. Unlike financial apps that force you to compromise, spreadsheets are fully customizable for your needs. Tiller makes them even better with an automatic daily feed of your spending, balances, and transactions. It eliminates data entry, multiple account logins, and CSV. Simply connect your banks once to see your transactions automatically updated each day. Basically, you set it up once and you forget it, which is what we all need. And by the way, the Tiller folks were down at our conference at FinCon, so it was nice to uh, see them there as well. Um, so we really appreciate Tiller supporting the show. If you guys want to support Tiller supporting our show, you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Tiller. We're part of the Stacking Benjamins family of podcasts. That's why. For more info and for a special deal, 20% off for our Money with Friends 
supporters and listeners. That's all good. Oh, I want to tell everyone, by the way, also check out our website for bios of people like Jim Wang. It is moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also get links to the stories that we talk about on the podcast. And you also, please be sure to follow us on our social media at moneyfriendspod on Instagram and on Twitter so that you can vote in our polls and be part of the show. All right. It is time for takeaways. A lot of times you'll see different you know, services or products, and in this case, some trade where it looks really complicated and it's very easy to dismiss. And while I don't think most people should be doing this, it's good to read and understand why someone else might be doing this. Not because you're going to, to attempt it, but it just gives you a broader understanding of, of how things work and what's out there. I don't know that much about foreign exchange. And so when I first read about this, I said, oh, it kind of doesn't really make much sense of why would you buy a bond and pay interest? Especially when you can buy U.S. bonds and get paid a little bit, even though it's not a very high interest rate, it's better than negative. And the U.S. government is just as safe as you know the European Central Bank. But reading this more now makes sense. It's a it's a foreign exchange play. It's a, when you're required to buy it because it's a hedge, so for safety purposes or, or downside protection purposes. I understand it. I'm not going to do it, but it's. <laughs> It just it just goes into the library of information. I think that's great what you just said. It goes in the library of information because we should all have some sense of understanding of what's going on in the market, even if it's not for us. And my takeaway is that I wanted to bring this to everyone's attention, really for the same reasons as, as Jim talks about. I mean, he was really spot on. There are so many questions about who would buy these debt instruments. It doesn't make sense. And is it a good thing? And, and the thing is, it is a good thing, I should say, to have some understanding just for perspective. The truth is really only it's for investors with the knowledge and the experience to use these complex hedging strategies. They're the only ones that are going to really successfully even have a shot at making money in. They are very interesting ways. They absolutely are interesting. But unless you're a pro or have a really good one that you can hire, you need to be aware that this is not for the faint of heart. A lot of the people or institutions buying this are under obligation, as I mentioned, central banks and such, pension funds, maybe insurance companies that may have it in their mandate that they have to own a certain amount of government bonds. But don't try this at home unless you are a professional. And there you have it. Yeah, no, that's a huge takeaway because a lot of times you read these things like, oh, especially with like options and they have all these fancy names. It's like, oh, maybe I'll give it a shot and make a little bit of extra money. But you're right. Like, Unless you're a pro, you should probably stay away from these. Exactly. Well said. All right, Jim. So first of all, congratulations again on your Plutus Award for best investing blog of 2019. That is huge. That is a hot and very competitive category. So we are all in awe of you and so happy for you. Well done and well-deserved. You are the ultimate pro and we love having you on the show. And we're so glad you're one of our huge, wonderful thought leaders. I'm just gushing basically, Jim. I'm just in awe of being here with you on this. We're taping this on a Monday morning after FinCon, as I mentioned. Um, And thank you to everyone who contributed to the show, both with our live Facebook audience and with our Instagram stories participation, taking the poll and giving us your comments. And uh, thanks for listening to another edition of Money with Friends. We'll see you soon.
This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Our engineer is Caden Thompson. And for a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with a real episode of Money with Friends.